0: morning hopefully that resonated with a few of us i'm sure it did happy father's day we'll we'll get to that here quickly i know uh some of you saw these outside we've had them out for a while today was the due date for these bottles for the crisis pregnancy center but don't worry if you're like most you probably forgot it as well that's okay um The Crisis Pregnancy Center will take these any time. We just like, they they do this campaign each year, and so it's a great time of year. So you can bring it by the office this week. That would be awesome. Uh, If you have to bring it next week to church, that'll work just fine as well. uh, No more worthwhile organization. To give money to, especially in the times and culture in which we live, and so uh, please uh, get those back to them as soon as you can. Uh, we really, really appreciate it, and I, I know uh, Prudence had mentioned it earlier at the beginning of service, but somewhere in here you may have saw them. Where is it? At? I've got too much stuff in my pocket. There it is. Uh, there's these nifty little pins out there, but it's not just a pin for us guys. It's it's actually a level. And a ruler. and if you read the directions, you'll find out that the top screws off and there's a screwdriver inside of there as well. So have fun with that. Um, it's It's a good time and uh, make make sure you pick up one of those. We're still excitedly seeking more of your questions, especially faith-based questions and the times and culture that we live in, the things that we struggle with, the things we have questions or even doubts about. those are the things that we're looking for um, from you guys. I I received word this week, one of the questions that someone sent in uh, is one that I am not in any way qualified to answer, and I wouldn't pretend to be. I would still gladly cover it, but uh, I think we found a, a, an alternative person to cover it because they are highly qualified to cover it, and so I'm super, super excited about that. So keep those things rolling in. Um, we, we still need a few more for this series coming up in about four weeks is when we will begin, uh, five weeks, we'll begin that that series. So it is Father's Day, so I thought I'd start off with a, a good little Father's Day story. The, the story is about a, a father of five kids. This, this father of five kids, uh, he somehow, somewhere, he enters a raffle to win a big, nice toy. And so he happened to win the toy, and he began to decide, okay, which kid am I going to give it to? He got five kids. It's going to be hard to choose which one. So he got the kids all around, and he began to ask them a, a series of questions. First question was, who is the most obedient of all the kids, and you can imagine the kids uh, sitting around trying to decide which one that is. Okay. Okay. Who never talks back to mother? You see that debate continuing. All right. Last one. All right. Who does everything that mother says? At this point, the kids are all kind of dejected. They look at one another and said, okay, dad, you can have the toy. (laughs) You get the picture, right? It was 1914 when Woodrow Wilson set aside the second Sunday of May to be Mother's Day huge commercial success, huge, it still is a huge commercial success, very wildly popular in our culture. You probably didn't know that it was about that exact same time that a movement began for Father's Day to start as well. However, it didn't go quite as quickly. My guess is that job, that task was probably on somebody's honey-do list because like most things on the honey-do list, it took just a little bit of time. It was just a couple years later in 1972, when Richard Nixon finally made Father's Day an official holiday. So, congratulations, it is Father's Day. Um, Some things to consider, just like Mother's Day, we know this world is a tough place, and we know there's people listening today that long to be fathers and have not been blessed with that opportunity yet. We know there's people that are fathers here in this room today that have lost children. We know that there are fathers here in this room that have lived a life that maybe allowed them to not connect with their kids for a variety of reasons, and so this holiday, like many others, can be a struggle. We also know there are people here listening who don't have the best relationship with their fathers, and we want to be as sensitive to that as we possibly can and pray for all of those people in all of those situations with the underlying principle of this that God himself is our heavenly father. He is the only perfect father. And what we're going to talk about, what we're going to discuss, what we're going to dive into is the model he sets for us. And though we'll fall short, it's still who we are to try to be. And for me personally, this is my first Father's Day without my daddy. So just bear with me in that <coughs> I'm going to begin reading a passage in Romans, chapter 8, uh, starting verse 12. We'll come back to it later, but I, I want to start with, with reading this verse. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are His children, then we are His heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. Amen, something that, that we often don't consider is this reality that we are actually children. Not children like our wives accuse us of being, no. Children of God. We are sons of God. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit with the promise of sharing in Christ's glory one day. So the task becomes, how does that look right now? What does that look like right now in our lives, right with our families, with our friends, with our coworkers in this world that we live in? If you're a father or grandfather, even quite honestly, if you don't have any children, you can be a role model. You can be a godly mentor, especially in today's world where so many kids growing up without having any type of father figure in their life. This is huge. It's estimated that kids used to be brought up with at least a minimum of six to seven loving and caring adults as a part of their family. I am guessing there are many people in this room that can remember those days. You didn't just have a relationship with your mom and dad. You had a close relationship with your grandma and grandpa, probably with an aunt or uncle or a few or maybe an older cousin even. Chances are pretty good if you didn't live near home, you probably, wherever you ended up, had a kind of adopted grandma and grandpa? Did anybody, they weren't related to you at all. Who had one of those types of people in your lives? Yeah. Do you realize how gone those days are? Research tells us today that kids at most are brought up with one to two caring and loving adults in their life. Can you imagine? That is their reality, Men, we're now dealing with not just the first generation, but the second or third generation of children being brought up without, in many cases, a godly male role model in their life. So if today you're a single mother or maybe a young lady that's hoping to get married at some point in time, the biblical traits, the things that God describes of that of being a father are exactly who you need to look for in a man of God. And honestly, at any time during this message, almost every one of these principles applies to not just fathers, but mothers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers. It doesn't matter. We can all fulfill these roles, all right? As we begin to look at what godly father looks like, remember, guys, here's the thing. God does not expect us to be perfect. He knows we're going to fall short, but he does expect us to be faithful, That's a characteristic that men have lost in our society, this idea of commitment, of being faithful to what we set out to do. And yet, this is a a quality, a personality that God has instilled in every single male. We just choose not to live up to it in many cases. Now, in my own life, um, it's a curious thing. I still have absolutely no idea why God allowed me to become a dad. I have no clue. I'm not qualified in any way, shape, or form. Um, I've not had any specific training on how to be a dad. I haven't even read a good book specifically on how to be a parent or to be a dad. What did I do that God would so entrust me with such an amazing, amazing gift? Fathers, I'm sure you would agree it's a privilege and it's an honor to be a father, but there's a reality that comes along with that, and it is a tremendous responsibility. And if we fathers sat around for long enough by ourselves and we really thought deeply about this idea of what we're really responsible for, it would probably be pretty overwhelming. Think about it. God has entrusted us with helping to raise one of his children. Every child created is a gift of God, Ones that we now have the responsibility to take care of, to teach, to meet the physical and emotional needs of. God has placed the responsibility of sharing the good news of Jesus with our kids. Do you realize that's your job, men, as the spiritual leaders of your household? Are we doing that? Are we partnering with our wives to do that? Think of all the families that you know, who not just the men, but the family as a whole doesn't know God. These kids are missing This incredible instruction, example, love that they don't have. There's a famous verse in the church. We've used it lots of things, a lot of times wrongly. Proverbs 22, 6. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn or depart from it. Now, those of us that have been raised in the church, not only have we heard this time and time again, my prayer is you've realized, A, this is a great proverb, but it's just that. We've realized that the truth behind the proverb is not a promise. Our children still have the ability to make their own choices, both good and bad. But if we do train them up in the ways of the Lord and we demonstrate that relationship to them consistently, they got a lot better chance of making it, don't they? You've probably seen that demonstrated now i don't often use the message paraphrase it's not my favorite version if you will of the scriptures but there are some passages in there that are just golden and this is one of them that eugene peterson wrote proverbs 22 6 and the message says point your kids in the right direction and when they're old they won't be lost it's so simple isn't it it's so concise but it's so true we have to point them in the right direction we have no other choice If we don't, they'll be lost. Think about it. Right now, the culture is trying with all of its power to point them in a direction. Is it the right direction? Or are they on the way to being very, very lost? It is awesome that we still have the privilege of having many godly teachers and administrators within our schools. That is wonderful. But if we rely on the teachers and educators to be the primary source to guide and direct our kids more and more and more of that guidance is void of any, any godly influence whatsoever at all. Some of our kids spend a ton more time with their athletic coaches or their extracurricular activity leaders than they do any of us. And while those people might, and I use the word might in very large letters, might be fine godly people, they cannot replace you. you cannot pass your kids off for the responsibility of showing the kids the love of Jesus, of demonstrating that love to them, demonstrating his ways, teaching his commands. We can't do that if we're not with our kids. It's a priority, and it needs to be in our lives. If we allow our children's friends to be their primary guides and influences in their life, their friends are probably not being brought up with any knowledge of Jesus. They're probably not having any knowledge of the grace, the truth, the salvation, and even of the concept of sin that they have to learn at this age. The world we live in does not seek the wisdom of God. Society no longer bases its moral standards, if there are such a thing, on what God has given his people This isn't a criticism of the world in any way, shape, or form. The world was never meant to perform that function. It's God's people. It's our relationship to Him. It's our longing to become more and more and more like Jesus, our ultimate role model, that points us in the right direction. And as fathers, we too are children of God. We have to remember that part of our role and we're to be an example to our families. Fathers are called to represent Jesus to our families. That's how God set it up. If you think about the world of training, men, most of us in our profession somewhere have gone through some type of training. Was the best kind of training someone that just left you a list on the board and said, okay, do these things? Or maybe the person that came in and said, okay, it's your first day on the job, here's the manual. read it, you know, you'll figure it out as you go. Or was the best mentor, the best person, the best leader you've ever set under someone who sat down beside you, showed you how to do the job because they'd done it themselves? sat down with you as you began to do the job, helped you along the way through the bumps in the road and then eventually turned you loose to perform the task on your own. It's exactly what God calls us to do. I have to train my kids. I can't just tell them what to do. I have to show them what to do. In my world, I've shown my kids how to run the vacuum, how to do laundry, how to wash dishes, how to unload and load the dishwasher, how to sweep the floor, how to wash windows, how to mow the yard, how to fix the car. Yeah, all of that. They've seen all of those things, hoping some of it will rub off one day. (laughs) No, they're doing great. They're learning. They're learning. We can't just drop them off at church and hope that they get something out of it. We can't just drop them off at youth group and hope that maybe something happened. We have to be instrumental. How will my kids ever learn to love others if I Don't show them love, the love of Jesus. How will my kids ever learn to love someone else if they don't see me loving their mother in an incredible way? Paul's words in Ephesians have always stuck with me. Chapter five, verse 25, he tells us that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her literally gave his life for her. That is how we are to love our wives. That is a level of commitment that does not exist in this world anymore, and if we men love our wives in that way, our kids will notice. They will take notice, and our daughters won't find anybody on planet earth that do it as well as you, dad, if you do it right, but they'll be looking, and that's the key. That's the example we have to set for them. How will my kids learn to love others if I am harsh with other people, if I'm impatient, unkind, even rude to those that I interact with? They're watching all of the time. How will my kids learn to be a servant of Christ if I don't go and serve and them see me doing that? How will my kids learn to put God first in their lives if I'm always making excuses as to why He's not first in mine? At times, many of us parents even choose to put obstacles in our kids' way. We put things in their lives that put it ahead of God. What are we teaching them? When we put something in front of them instead of their spiritual growth and development, what are we teaching our kids? What example are we setting? We're all busy. We all have crazy schedules, but fathers, you and I, we have to demonstrate how to put God first in our lives and when we get a chance, how to help them put God first in theirs as well. Keep in mind, we're all sinners. We, every single one of us will sh- fall short, but are we trying? Because if we're trying, our kids are watching. Every little move we make, I don't know, I'm sure you have, especially some older parents in the room, but when I was writing this message a long time ago, I began to evaluate and think, you know, men and accountability and things like that, What's the, this is the best form of accountability a man could ever place upon himself is to just ponder every single decision you make through one lens, would I do it if my kids were here? What would my kids think if I was doing this? Easy way to hold us guys accountable because they're watching, they're learning. What kind of example are we setting for our kids? And if we want our kids to be honest, we got to be honest. In every area of life, if we lie, cheat, and steal, guess what they're going to do? And you're going to punish them for it. When we drive over the speed limit, They're going to drive over the speed limit. Don't be surprised when they come home with a ticket. If we text and drive, in this world we live in now, your kids are going to text and drive. I guarantee it. Don't be mad when they crash the car. Just pray that they're okay because you're the one that showed them how to do that. Yeah, it's convicting, isn't it? It's a reality. When we don't stop all the way at stop signs sometimes or use our turn signals sometimes, guess what? They won't either. (laughs) Because they're watching and they're learning, and that's just such a superficial little thing that they see in us in our daily life. But here's the thing, if they see us stop to help someone in need, if they see us volunteer and serving in the church, if they see us giving of our time, of our talents, of our treasures, of our finances to the work of kingdom building, you'll never guess what your kids will notice. And likely what they too will do when they get older. If you're breathing, then you might have noticed that Satan has this small little plan. It's been underway for about 30 years now, attacking the family, the fabric of even our society. People don't understand that the family, of course, has been under assault for a very, very long time. We love to blame all kinds of things. We love to blame culture, politics, life situations, our family issues. But the reality is this. Satan is the one attacking the family. If Satan can destroy the very thing that God put in place to demonstrate how he, much he loves us, if he can ruin that, well, then you get exactly what we've got on planet earth right now, a complete erosion of the family and that very plan that God instituted. Satan has attacked the family so successfully that some completely deny Jesus Christ. They deny the love of God. Why? Because they had such a horrible example of an earthly father that they don't even want a heavenly father. They couldn't imagine him being any different than their earthly father. Even the name father has gotten a bad reputation because of this. Some want absolutely no part of the family of God. Why? Because their family was so dysfunctional or is so dysfunctional that they don't want to be a part of another family. Church, let's be real. We are dysfunctional. We are messed up. But it's only by the love of Jesus that we can be in the same room, worshiping the same God, loving one another the way we're supposed to. And that's what we need those people to feel. Men who are followers of Christ got to fight against these attacks. First, in our own families, we got to fight to protect them from the world. We got to fight to protect them from Satan's attacks. Men, we have been lazy sometimes in this area. How can we do that when these attacks are constant, when they're coming at us from every direction? Well, the answer is actually quite simple. We can only do this through the power of God within us. We must allow the power of God to sustain our families. We are the ones responsible for tapping into that power. If you think of it this way, God put in men this ability, this desire, this innate thing to fight. It's okay. That's, oh, he gave us that for a reason. We just often use it for poor reasons. This reason to fight right now, we're in a battle, man. We're in a battle for land. And the reality is this, Satan has already occupied a lot of territory that once belonged to us and our families and to God. So there's a battle ahead. He won't give up what he's obtained very easily. Satan might have established yourself and his family through the movies and TV shows and things that your family watches. He may have an inside track on your kids through the music or activities that they, that, that they participate in. He may have taken control of your family schedule in such a way that he's filled it with events that keep your family from worshiping, from serving, from even simply sitting down and studying or praying together as a family. He, he may have even placed, the, taken a little area in your own life. It's a little private area. It's your own computer or your own phone that no one even knows about. Satan might have snuck in his way into how just you arrange your time and your schedule, how much time you set aside to worship and serve. He might have made it really inconvenient to even offer to serve just a little bit at a time. Satan might have even worked in your own life to persuade you to exchange some time with your family for maybe just a little more time at work or for golf or for hanging out with friends Men, it's time to go on the offensive and take this land back. See, the power of God's already overcome sin and death, and he is more than able to reestablish himself in our lives and in our families if we allow him. But see, here's the problem. We all love to give Satan a little more credit than what he deserves. There's something he doesn't want you to know because the dirty little secret is Satan can't take any time or any land from you at all unless you give it to him. You see, Satan's not a creator. He's an opportunist. He only finds you and I in our weakest moments, and then he attacks, and he begins to take little pieces at a time. He finds areas of of our life that are not fiercely guarded and protected, and he captures them. So as Christ-like dads, how? How on earth are we supposed to prevent that? How do we defend that? Our first thing we must do is remind ourselves daily that we are children of God. Even as grown men and women, and even elderly men and women in this room, we are still his children. He's adopted us into his family. And as we think of the fight ahead, hopefully that gives us a little bit of encouragement, knowing that our Heavenly Father is right beside us every step of the way. Because here's the thing, we don't have to be perfect, because he is. Which brings us back to Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order, that we may also share in his glory. We are obligated to live by the Spirit, men. We are obligated to lead our families by that same Spirit as well. And so if you begin to imagine, think about all the things that God provides for us through his Spirit. Think of all that we need as men from God, and you begin to compare that over into our lives, unconditional love that God provides us, the forgiveness that God provides us, the grace that God provides us, the protection, both known and unknown, that God provides us, even the discipline that God provides in our own lives. All of these things and so much more are His example to us. So what must we do as earthly fathers? Well, we gotta provide the same thing for our children and our wives. We have to lead. We have to love unconditionally. We have to forgive. We must extend grace. We must protect, not just physically protect, but emotionally, socially, and spiritually protect our families from the evil that exists all around us. Fathers, we must discipline our kids. It's who we're called to be, but not in an over-the-top or out of control or simply out of frustration and anger, but no, instead, out of love like He disciplines us So that we can teach them right from wrong. Because heaven knows the world will never do such a thing. How do we train our children? We train them the same way Jesus trained the disciples. He showed them. (laughs) He showed them by example. This is who God wants you to be. I'll end with this question for the dads to start with because it is Father's Day. But moms, grandparents, aunts, uncles, you name it. So many opportunities have an influence in people's lives these days. How do you want your kids to see you? How do you want them to see you? I wrote a little paragraph here of of how I hope one day, when reflecting on life, my kids will see me. First of all, I wanted them to see me as a father who loves them more than they could ever know. I really, really, really wanted to see a daddy who loves their mommy more than anything on this earth except for Jesus. I pray that they see a father who gave of himself to serve them, but also to serve others. I pray that they see a father who did his best he possibly could to protect them and show what it means to love others. I pray that they remember the lessons that we had to teach them through discipline that was necessary along the way. I pray that they see the value of life, of life. Think about that in the context of the moment we live in and culture. The value of life, both unborn, both dying, both during, all of those areas. Do they truly value life? And I pray that they value a lifelong, intimate relationship with Jesus. And that they all choose to love Christ as he loves them. You see, the reality is, since it's Father's Day and we're speaking to them, that uh, all of us have fallen short, myself included. I should be the first one. And so the question is, okay, we've all fallen short, what have we done about that? How many of us have truly repented for the ways in which we've fallen short, the ways in which we've sinned against our families? Maybe it was a failure to protect them. Maybe it was a failure by overscheduling them. Maybe it was a failure by not loving their mother, by not loving them, by not disciplining them. So many options, but we have all failed. That's the reality of it. But thank God for grace and for forgiveness because every one of us men in the room have the opportunity to come to this throne and say, Jesus, I messed up. I want to be more like you. I want to be a more godly father. Will you help me? do that and i pray no matter what you've done up to this point in life that from this moment on people can see a change in you and who you are as a father figure in those people's lives only christ can change you and only you can allow him no one can force that change and so as awkward and uncomfortable as it is for men to do things like this from now to the end of the service the altar is open to come and just ask for forgiveness to come let us pray with you because we've all been there but we got to admit that we're still there and ask for him to heal us and our families father god i thank you for this morning i thank you for the chance to call you daddy for the example the perfect example of love and sacrifice that you gave for us and while we all fall short father you call us to that standard you call us to be like you to our family and to our kids and in this world it wants nothing more than us to relinquish our responsibility as father. Let the world raise it. Let their moms do it by themselves. Let them figure it out on their own. The world loves that. The world doesn't want us partnering with our wives. The world doesn't want us to step up and be spiritual leaders as you call us to be. It wants us to be those deadbeat dads that exist everywhere else. Because even if we claim the name of Christ, if we're not living it, father, we're not teaching it. I pray that if today somebody feels the need, they've just fallen short and they just want prayer, and I pray today is the day they come forward and ask for your forgiveness. Father, lay those things at your feet. We'll never be perfect, but we have your perfect love right with us all the time. If they have poor relationships with their older kids, their grown children, I pray that this day those relationships begin to mend through your power and your love. And that demonstrated through the love that these fathers are going to show those kids. It may take a long time. But Father, we know you can restore that. Father, for those of us still raising our kids, may from this day forward we make a commitment to battle like crazy and fight like crazy, to fiercely protect and guard them from the evil that exists all around. And show them the love and compassion that you show us every day. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray.